Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. My name is Paul Arnold. I'm joined by Ernest Watts, and we've been friends for how long, Ernest? Can you tell the year we started to hang out and talk sports and uh, assume we are right in all aspects? I'm sure your wife says too long ago. It was <laughs> it was the early 90s, wasn't it? 1995. Well, it's borderline early 90s. Yeah, 95. There's actually a, a book coming out about 1996 in May. But the, the, the sports year it was, because you had the Bulls, you had the Cowboys, you had the Olympics going on, that I look forward to reading. I really, truly do. Yeah. Well, '96, we both went down to the Olympics in Atlanta. So, yeah. oh, now I get it. You just were friends with me, just so you could have a free place to stay at the Atlantic Olympics. Now me I get it. Me and my brother. Me and my brother. Yes. And oh. You realize the day I left is when the uh, tragedy happened. The bombing. Yeah, we yeah. were there the day before at the same uh, park, and so yeah, sir, a surreal moment. But a lot of great sports to watch. And anytime you can go to the Olympics, it's a good year. So this is a good year, too, in a lot of different ways. And then we're not just talking tires. Um, the NFL draft is coming up. And, you know, it's nice to have sports back in full force. The Masters just got done with a good tournament. And we're watching baseball. And, you know, we still have some football. So COVID's not too bad as long as we have sports. Right, Ernest? Right. right. You know, I seen the growth of this to be a spectacle because i remember i don't know if you're old enough to remember when this first was broadcast live by a little fledgling network back in 1980 uh espn am i old enough tom rees hosted it i think didn't he oh yeah oh yeah i mean like and they had no information this is back when the scouts would show up for the draft with copies of street and smith college football preview <laughs> i mean there was no there was no pro days because because college coaches didn't want pro scouts anywhere near there you know you, you're bothering my players uh there was no combine and the draft usually was in the first week of march now they've stretched it out to may for all practical reasons this is last week of april first of may and they do, a, I mean, you got three networks broadcasting it. You got ABC, ESPN, and the NFL network, all for a bunch of guys sitting around in chairs and tables. It, it truly is, it blows by. I mean, the story was I remember the, there was an interview with someone on the ESPN, and, and they approached the NFL network, and Pete Rosell says, Oh, you want you the results of the draft after the first day? And they said, No, no, no. We want to broadcast, and Roselle will say, we just sit around a table and we call out names. (laughs) See, ESPN was dying for programming because they had very little – most people don't realize ESPN first started in 79. They had like professional softball, CFL, taped taped highlights, no live college football. They had no program. Uh, Australian rules football – Pro billiards. I mean, there was lumberjack games, lumberjack games, and and that that was boardwalk and baseball. That was a big one too, which was a game show. But see, the draft was so successful because it was all drama. Isn't that what we would like? We wanted to know what's going to happen, the unknown, and then you got to see behind the curtain how the the system worked. And it's just fun. It's a big event. It's another opportunity for you to get around with your buddies. In a way, did this start the fancy football type 
attitude that, hey, not only do we watch football, but we try to guess who's going to play well and who's going to be a star, who's not going to be a star, and give ESPN a lot of credit for developing like the the green room, you know, and then the backstories and all those things. And I thought they were making a mistake when they moved the first round to Thursday. But then I realized, wait a second, they get primetime Thursday, primetime Friday, and they get the real hardcore fans watching on Saturday. And I guess, hey, the advertisers love that, right? You can't get playoff games in the NBA, the world's most second popular sport, on primetime television, yet we get the NFL draft. You can't get primetime baseball playoff games on network terrestrial TV, yet we get the NFL. It's truly amazing, and they stretch this out. Again, they've pushed it back two months. They do the journalism. They wave up the stories. They take way too much time between. I mean, you get three months to decide, and then they give you 15 minutes to decide who you're going to try. We already know who the first two picks are. What's the deal with terrestrial? You've mentioned that a couple times Well, it's old man. The old man thing. It's the idea. Here's the idea. Um, You're seeing more and more. I mean, regular season sports have pretty much disappeared from on-air TV. They're on cable. And you've seen a large majority of important playoff events, playoff basketball, playoff hockey, even some playoff NFL games are going to cable. Next year, Thursday night football will be on Amazon, not on cable, not on TV, but a streaming service. And yet the draft is on three networks on TV. I mean, the the irony that just blows my mind for three days of watching guys, you watch highlights and people love the highlights, but, and you're right. It's, it's, it's like fantasy football. You do know where fantasy football came from, don't you? Rotisserie baseball? Yay, man, you've got it. A group of New York sports writers back in the 80s. But it's it truly, when you step back and you take the perspective of somebody who's not beholding to the the church of the NFL, it is mind-blowing that we've come to this point. Now, see, I, I'm one of the few that prefers the NBA draft because it's done in three hours and it's two rounds and you're done. And it's five minutes between picks, so it's, it's more uh... action. I don't know. Anything with ping pong balls need to be done away. I, I'm just I'm over that totally. But let's get to the actual picks here. And it's been overanalyzed, overanalyzed. But let me ask you first. Justin Fields was sort of the wild card even before his medical condition was uh, disclosed or he disclosed it this last week. So knowing that he could be a great player or he could have medical problems, where do you think he's going to go? Do you think he'll still go in the first round? Oh, yeah, he'll go in the first round. You know what I find fascinating, Paul, is at the end of the college season, you get all these NFL draft preview magazines, ESPN comes out, and, you know, the guys can't play anymore. What they've done on the field is all finished. And you got guys who, who rise, like Mac Jones of Alabama, who was at the end of at the Alabama championship game, he was considered a borderline first-round pick. Maybe 32nd, maybe 31st. And then you guys sink like Justin Fields. Not for anything they've done on the field, not for anything that, that you know, physically they do differently. 
it's just this this whispers and these rumors. And, you know, if you look at something long enough, you're going to find flaws. Look about Trevor Lawrence, the interview with Sports Illustrated. So much has been made about that he doesn't live and breathe football 24-7. Like they had to find something wrong with him. I think he uses too much conditioner on his hair, too. I think that's <laughs> it. <laughs> so uh, CBS Sports mock draft has the Bears now moving to get Justin Fields to help them out. Um, I don't know. I think Justin Fields is going to drop. The other team that I keep on hearing is going to do a lot of moving could be the Patriots. But I've never really seen the Patriots move up for a player. So I sort of doubt that. What do you think about Do you think there's a team that's going to move up just to get Justin Fields or somebody else? I think there are a couple teams that will move up, not just for Fields. I think some will move up to try to get Trey Lance if the 49ers don't pick him up. I think there'll be some movement. Uh, I think there's a potential for the first five picks to be quarterbacks, which has never been done before. We know that the first three will be quarterbacks. There's no doubt about that. It's pretty much guaranteed. We know Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. We know that um, uh, Wilson from BYU is going to go to the Jets, and, and we know the 49ers are going to pick a quarterback. And they pretty much put – Garoppolo under the bus. I mean, Shanahan would not even this week verify that Garoppolo will be on the squad in three months. I mean, wow, uh, that's you know. What have you done for shocked. me lately? I wouldn't be shocked to see Garoppolo back in New England. He, again, I'm not. I don't think he's a. I think he's he's a place filler. He's an adequate quarterback. I don't think he's a star. He did he's take a, a Matt Castle, huh? Yeah, well, maybe a little bit more than Matt Castle. Maybe he's he's uh, what's the kid in Minnesota? Oh, Cousins, uh, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's a Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins and him. That that that's that's a good analogy in that respect. So you don't think Kyle Pitts will be picked up by Atlanta? You think they're tired of Matt Ryan and they're going to go quarterback? I think they're going to trade the pick. No, I think they'll trade the pick. I think. My Panthers will trade their pick. I think if you can get more picks and more, I think after the, if you're not going to get a quarterback, the, the quality goes all the way to like the 20th pick. So if you can get multiples in the first round or, you know, in the second round and pick up a first round pick for next year, I think that's, you know, if you're not a Super Bowl contender, one player is not going to turn you around that much. Well, look at Kansas City did. Some teams are jumping ahead before the draft day to make their moves. So Kansas City does a trade with the Baltimore Ravens to get their left tackle to replace Fisher. And so it sort of takes the pressure off the draft for them. I know they realize they gave up quite a few draft picks, but you are a big proponent that draft picks don't guarantee success. They'd rather have somebody proven when you're as good a team as Kansas City and you just need a solid offensive line to go all the way. I mean, they were very close this year. Yeah, I believe in, in quantity uh, rather than quality in that respect. I mean, that's how Jimmy Johnson built the Cowboys uh, dynasty in the 90s. That's what Belichick's always done. He's always traded down and, and got quality of players. I mean, the more picks you have in the first three rounds, the odds are you're going to pick up some stars in that respect. I mean, you look so much has been blown up about the quarterbacks. And again, a team has to have a set of quarterback to be good. But look at that draft of four years ago when you had five quarterbacks picked in the first round. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, only two of them are going to be stars. One's a washout. The other two are, yeah, we don't know. 
And and that's just it. I mean, the one who has the probably who's got the MVP was the one that was picked in the last draft by the Ravens at thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Well, I was at least seeing that uh, Aaron Rodgers is the last guy in his draft year around, um, and you just know, like you say, with quarterbacks, they are so so important to every team. You get it why they're willing to even maybe roll the dice and waste a first rounder because they can have a third rounder surprise them. And the quarterback position to me is less about the athletic, about it's more between the ears. And that concerns me a little bit about some of these unknowns, especially the guy that everybody's so on right now, Trey Lance. He's played so little and then he's played a division two, right? You're so, right. And I'm thinking, man, when was the last time a division two guy who only has like a year of experience came into the pros and played well. I can't, can you think of anybody? Joe Flacco. Oh, yeah. He was in Delaware, Joe Flacco. But he played all four years though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, to a certain extent, COVID affected this a lot. And you just, you didn't know how things are going to turn out. I mean, that's just it. Uh, it's it, the, the best percentage in selecting quarterbacks in NFL is about 50-50, which sounds like a cop-out when you're talking about percentages in that respect. But that's just about it. You just don't know. And you bring them in, and they may have been successful in that environment, but how much is that affected by what they have around them? You know, if the, Everybody sold on Mac Jones. And, again, I don't see it because he had three pro uh, wide receivers. He had a NFL-level tight end. He had an NFL offensive line. He had a defense on the side that's going to have three kids picked in the NFL in this draft. I mean, you just it's hard to select. That's the thing about, and I go back to the NBA draft and the NFL draft. The NFL draft, you're looking at a guy being one of 11, even as a quarterback. And you don't know how much interdependent he is on the other guys on the team making him successful. In the NBA, whether it's a European or a high school kid or a college kid, you can see and know his individual talents. You're a better predictor in that respect. But the NFL, we, we just don't know. Uh, you have to pull him from that particular element. And again, NFL's bad for looking for flaws that aren't there. Well, I there's mean, so much the, money in, tied up in this. And it fluctuates so quickly. That's what makes it so dramatic. Like Etienne for Clemson. A couple of years ago, people thought, oh, he should leave to go to the pros. He's the fastest, most dynamic running back. And now they haven't projected to go in the first round pick 30 to Buffalo. I mean, I get it. Running backs, every team thinks don't go too high in running back. They wear out. You can get a good guy second, third, or fourth round. But, boy, Etienne has really dropped. They have... Um, Najee Harris ahead of him, um, but Etienne I think has more just speed than Harris. Don't be surprised if Williams from Carolina gets picked ahead. Oh of yeah, Williams he's good. Catches the pass. He is very a great pass receiver. Even Etienne had some problems. So, but the running backs you can get those in the second, third round. I and know, and I know. quarterbacks are overvalued. Wide receivers are overvalued. Running backs are kind of devalued in that respect. Offensive line, you got as many busts an offensive line as you do quarterbacks. You just don't hear about that because they're not the ones who get the high-end contracts. Statistically speaking, quarterbacks get paid the higher percentage of the cap 
than any other position. So when they flame out, it's spectacular. If you pick an offensive lineman, uh, Eric Fisher, uh, there's a good example. He was the number one pick of the draft and was inadequate, but he was never an all-pro, and he got cut two knee injuries by Kansas City. But well, he was the number Achilles one pick. Heel that Achilles heel. Yeah. Okay. But, but but now if he was a quarterback that was picked number one in the draft, yeah, that would be oh this team blew it. They had a chance to get a game changer. I mean, we just we don't have that many. Look at the kid from last year. We don't know if he's going what he's going to do for Cincinnati. He's coming off a major injury when he comes back. If he's going to be able to be ready to start Burrow. the season, yeah. Well, it's always interesting to me, after you get the quarterbacks picked, what is the highest defensive player taken? Because a really great linebacker or edge rusher can change it, or a cornerback. CBS Sports has Patrick Sertain II out of Alabama being the highest picked defensive player at a cornerback, a shutdown corner. Is a shutdown corner still the most desired defensive position in the draft? Oh, yeah. You remember his dad? Played for the Dolphins? Well, we have Asante Dolphins. Samuel as well, Jr., in this draft. We have two guys who are yeah. sons of NFL players. There's actually three guys that defensively are going to be probably the, the first among the first defensive picks. One of them you know very well. But uh, Micah Parsons, who's a middle linebacker for Penn State, who's had some some personality issues they deal about and uh pay from michigan yeah Kitty pay. yeah yeah i mean so the, those are the guys but but again they're in positions that traditionally don't get the higher chunk of the cap and when you have a cap and you have to rob peter to pay paul that's why you're going to see so many quarterbacks pick because that's the successful thing i mean i like certain i kind of wonder if if it's part of the system at alabama but if he's half as good as his dad was, his dad was an all-pro, yeah, shut down corner, you, you've got to have, uh, particularly because you're going against three receivers the majority time in the NFL. And quarterbacks are so accurate now. I mean, back when I started watching football in the 60s, if you were through 50% completion rate, you were considered an all-pro. Right? Now you get cut. Guys throw regularly in the 65 to 75% completion rate, which means they're accurate, which means you can't play a zone defense. You've got to play man-to-man because that offers you opportunities to blitz a linebacker, put pressure on a quarterback, get him to throw early. So, yeah, shutdown corners are, are – here's the, here's the importance, and I don't agree with it. It's quarterbacks, it's wide receivers, it's shutdown corners, it's pass rushers. Mm-hmm. That's that's the top three. That's the top four positions. That's where you're going to get the most of the attention in. And I personally believe that if you've got uh, safeties who can come up and play like a hybrid linebacker, that's important. I think offensive left tackles. You know, we had a movie in a book called The Blind Side because um, the 49ers saw the importance in, in guarding the back of Joe Montana and keeping him healthy after LT had pretty much. Right. Ruined what the the 49ers tried to do to repeat for the Super Bowl. Now it's kind of shifted now because yeah. you can get LTs for it, it's it's cap management. When you're limited, how much money you can spend, you've got to, it's, it's like a game of Monopoly. You got to be smart where you spend your money, especially if you have the shoe. I always hated getting the shoe. <laughs> well, you speak about spending the money. What's crazy to me is now I've been talking about CBS Sports because I get it as part of my streaming package. Um, 
now they're putting the the betting wager line on these players when they'll get picked and what order they're picked and it's a huge um money maker for not just las vegas but now there's legalized gambling in a lot of states including michigan where they're putting like okay plus 500 minus 500 there's all these different angles on the traffic so that adds another wrinkle that people are betting a lot of money on this so it's not only a sporting event it's a gambling event and I wonder when does that seep in to some of these draft picks? Maybe somebody puts a lot of money on this draft pick, and they have influence. And it used to be teams would not draft, would not make deals with certain other teams, right, in their own division or the oh, even, certain agents. Right, they wouldn't draft guys who were represented by Drew Rosenhaus, who was uh, you know a notary uh, agent of some uh, Moss obstinance. Yes, well, several guys. He, Teams would avoid him, but you can't do that nowadays. That's two issues there, Paul. One is the the seeping acceptance of gambling, which is slowly but surely come in. Because you're going to see live betting in arenas of college and pro sports fairly soon. Yeah, you mean taking the over-under on the next play? I mean, you're going to have a parlay window where you can go in when you go see the Tigers and bet on that particular game or what's going to happen the next inning. You're going to be able to go to a Lions game and make a bet. What uh, uh, I mean, that's uh, Paul. Most of the regional sports networks now are owned by Bally's, which is a gambling service. Yeah, I don't I get mean, it. I don't. I get the gambling people like the excitement and think they can make a little money or it's entertainment. But I just can never figure out how much discretionary income people have that they can spend this much money and still live their life without going in debt or you know jeopardizing their life. I don't get that part. Have you not seen the lottery ticket system, which is uh, actually funded by local governments? Oh, I yeah, in Michigan, it's the same thing. The money is supposed to go to the. Um, school systems, but there's a question like how much of it really goes. Usually the infrastructure of those systems cost as much money as it pulls in as a profit. That's a statistical fact. By the way, Pete Rose is sitting somewhere and going, and and why am I out of the Hall of Fame? (laughs) What what did I do? What, what, what? I see all this on TV. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, editorial comment there. Sorry about that. But the bottom line is we'll be watching on Thursday. And if not watching, if we're doing something else, we'll have it on our phone. And somebody will pay for all the advertising, and some guy will be left in the corner, the last person picked, and we'll feel sorry for him, and then he'll still make lots of money. You know, there's so many good stories here. And I then mean, then you have Mr. Irrelevant, right? That wasn't yeah. even around. All of a sudden, the draft, ESPN comes up with that. Or do you know who had that idea first, to call it Mr. Irre- Irrelevant? I thought it was the, the, the Harvard Lamp- National Lampoon. I thought they did it. Oh, really? I think the National Lampoon did it, or The Onion. It was one of the two back – it can't be The Onion. I knew it wasn't around because the first one was in the 80s. And there's been a few that have actually stuck around for a while. But, but the thing is, when you get to that last round, most agents call up the teams and, and discourage them from, from drafting their players. Sure, you know, they want to be free agents at that point. Free agent, they'll get a higher amount, and they usually get a guaranteed contract that they come in. Austin Eckler was talking about that the other day, uh, the fullback for the Chargers, that um, when he was, you know, he got down to the seventh round, and his agent actually called up and said, 
to the players, don't don't draft him because he wanted to either go to the Packers or the Chargers because he felt like he fit with those systems a lot better in that respect. So and then you had the old days where they just you know, when, he, when he, I remember when he used to go twenty five rounds. <laughs> 25 rounds. Wow. Uh, then they would, uh, and the funny joke of it is sometime back in the 70s when it went 25 rounds, one team drafted Bruce Jenner <laughs> at that time. <laughs> and, and they asked him, uh, they uh, asked him, the right. Oh, I'm, this, don't worry. This is pre what we're into now. And they asked the GM, why did you draft? Because this is after he won the uh, gold medal in Decathlon Montreal. At, uh, Decathlon. He at said, well, Montreal Olympics. He said, I was always told to draft the best athlete. And since <laughs> he won the Decathlon, we figured he was the best athlete. Yeah. So there, say he didn't thought I was going another direction there, didn't you? Well, if, if, if the Kardashians can not endorse him, her, it's uh, weird. It's always weird with them. Anyway, moving on. Um, let's well, talk. Well, quick question. Quick question. Okay. We when will you check out? When will you check out of the? When draft? my money's gone? No. Oh. No. 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 You, Where, you, when, uh, your attention. When will you turn it off or go looking for? I'll uh, probably about ten thirty. Um, oh, you'll stick to like. The 25th or something. Oh yeah, Pete. oh yeah. You no go doubt. pass where the tiger, uh, tigers, the lions. lions you go yes. pass the lions. Pick. Oh yeah, I'll, at least 10:30, maybe 11. Um, it depends on how exciting it is, how many switches are. I'll watch Thursday and Friday night, but Saturday I won't watch. It's just like at that point, um, you know, it's sort of a crapshoot, anyways. Oh, crapshoot, gambling. What am I talking about? Yeah, so it all comes back. Yeah, I'll I'll keep track of my phone after after thursday but you know you'll know by sunday afternoon you'll know all the picks i mean that's just it if you wait long enough right it's, it's not like a sporting event uh you know i'll stick longer with the nba draft and again because it's, it's quicker it just it's i wish they would shorten it and and it makes you wonder when it was 25 rounds it probably took a week to do so will you watch espn abc or nfl network I'll switch back and forth. Uh, ABC's is gearing that more from the college perspective. They'll have the guys from College Game Day. Fowler and Herb Street. Yeah, and the coach. I'll just see how long the coach will last. If he'll <laughs> last a couple picks. Corso's uh, looking a little rough there. Yeah, well, Corso, remember, he's had, he's had a stroke. So you know, that's why he grips the pencil all the time. That's part of his therapy. Um, the NFL Network is a shill for the – the the league okay let's face it it's a big pr uh espn i'll 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 go back and forth between espn and abc all right there you go um i i will probably go abc for a while because i'd like the college aspect of it a little bit it just doesn't it doesn't quite feel as you know college guys they've seen them play and they know what they can do and sometimes the mel kuyper uh shay it's a lot of you know, maybe this will fit, maybe that will fit. Anyway, let's get to the NBA. And a lot of NBA games, a lot of NHL games on right now. We're getting down to closer and closer to the playoffs. And, you know, playoffs. Playoffs, sorry. sorry. Yeah. um, Nobody gets that Jim Mora reference, do they? Well, it sort of morphed from Jim Mora to uh, Allen Iverson's practice. Practice. You know, it's sort of both are, like, incredulous, like, what did you ask that question for? Anyway, they're getting close to the playoffs. And, um, you know, they say for a long time now, NBA regular season really doesn't matter because once the postseason starts, 
you know, that's when it really goes on. And it's proven true with the Lakers last year. Is there any team that you think is dangerous in the bottom half of each conference? Or is it just pretty much locked in the top three of each conference are going to be in the playoff, in the championship? Uh, that's usually what happens. I mean, Miami kind of pulled an anomaly last year when they were a fifth seed, but then again, they just got some great shooting from Hero and from Duncan Robinson. I mean, both those guys actually set records. And and Butler turned to Hero in that respect, and, and they were up until they got to the finals, uh, they were able to get some point guard play. But you know, you look at it. If they can get old, uh, if they can get old, old, old yeah, old depot back, maybe perhaps Miami. I mean, just, Miami's just a physically tough team. That would be the team of the East. I would concern myself. I still think Philly's the favorite. I just don't think the big three in Brooklyn are going to be healthy enough. I mean, it's you know, I just think. Yeah, I know when they do play, it's cohesive, but I just feel like. They're going to succumb to injuries at some point. They're going to, you know, hamstrings and all those things tend to re- bring themselves back. Uh, when you go to the West, I just, again, the Lakers are so iffy. The Jazz are not built for the playoffs. The Mavs just, they're just schizophrenic. They really are. <laughs> there are times when they can beat anybody and then they lose to teams they shouldn't. Denver without Murray. I would have said them, but both out Murray, they don't have consistent outside shooting. Phoenix has to go through that process of that first year through the playoffs. Sorry, Nate, but they've just got to go through that. And I worry about Chris Paul, how much, you know, he's played so great during this year, but he's, he's 30. He'll be 36 soon. I mean, he's going to break down. It's just a point guards just don't get that long. I mean, they all break down. Steve Nash did Jason Kidd did when they got to that age. So, no, I mean, there's no one in the West. Well, so in the East Conference, the biggest surprise to me is that the New York Knicks has had this good of a year. I mean, wasn't it just last year and the last year and the last year and the last year the Knicks have forever been bad and they have the fourth best record in the Eastern? I know it doesn't mean a lot, but still, that's 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 pretty impressive. That's what Thibodeau does. It's a great regular season team, and they flame out in the playoffs. That was true in Chicago. That was true in Minnesota. He just physically he plays guys long minutes, and when you get to the playoffs, you know, I just I just think guys are going to isolate Randall and make him force him to beat him outside. I don't. Derrick Rose is uh, again. You just wonder how much in the tank. I mean, this that's the AARP team. That's the New York Knicks. I mean, they play great defense, but they exhaust so much energy. I mean, if we're really lucky, we'll get a, a Heat-Knicks playoff series. And it'd be a callback to the 90s, back when you had Riley coaching <laughs> against Van Gundy. Remember, who was it Van Gundy clinging to? Was it Ewing's leg or was it <laughs> Charles Oakley's leg? I mean, well, there was a fight going out in the crowd, and that was like a five-game playoff. Uh, that would be just a heavyweight fight. See those teams fight. Well, one I, team that I'm curious about, if they have enough mental discipline to get over the hump, if you say, LA Clippers always have a lot of talent. Or, the, you know, the last couple of years we think, oh, are they going to put it all together and beat the Lakers? But do you think they can do that this year? Do you think they'll finally put on a roll and get past the Lakers? 
Paul George just never shows up in the playoffs. I mean, as much as a rip uh, Lawrence for not caring about football, I kind of wonder about Paul George in basketball sometimes. Uh, you do have a coach who has an NBA title there. Uh, I don't like their point guards. I don't like Beverly. I don't know which Ronjo, which Rondo Ronjo you're going to get. You're going to get the one with the Lakers last year or the one who couldn't even start for the Hawks this year. I mean, they're just they're not solid enough. I mean, and I think there's that little brother syndrome when they go against the Lakers. They just feel like in their own arena, they feel like second-class citizens. That's rough when you share. I mean, I'm sure the Jets feel like that at the Meadowlands. They feel like we're renting this stadium from the Giants all the time. I just no, I don't, I don't, I don't take the Clippers seriously. Uh, Portland's a team that could surprise in the first round, uh, but no, I mean the West by system of elimination, you, you just basically got to go with the Lakers. I'm not really confident with them but I don't see a team that can beat them. Yeah, last year I thought the bubble really played to the Lakers' strength because you had them creating their own team chemistry and LeBron kept them focused. He saved himself uh, energy-wise until he had to assert himself. He had enough with AD to have a second score, and the other guys played enough role players. I'm not sure the guys that... Uh, Lakers have picked up this year really make that much difference. I think it still gets down to how much LeBron can carry him once again. Um, before we run out of time, the other sport that I want to talk about is getting close to playoffs, and you love the sport, and I've been loving it more as I watch more on on different streaming sources, is the NHL. And your beloved Hurricanes are doing really this good this year. They have 69 points to lead the Central, do you think the Hurricanes can have enough, you know, goal scoring to win it all this year? It's goal scoring not as much problem as goaltending. What's unique about this conference is you have the two Stanley Cup finalists from last year in this division, and of course this year, uh, all it's the, the Mastercard Central Division. God, I hate that idea advertisement, but. The important part is going to get that number one seed in the playoffs because the two three seed is just going to be a war. I mean, you've got three Stanley Cup worthy teams in the division. Yeah, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina. And so whoever gets that number one seed gets out of the grinder. Probably face Nashville, which is still a good team, or Dallas, who was in the finals last year. You, you said that it's not goals. Uh, scoring's a problem, but you're leading your central goals against with only 118. Um, but the teams that have better goaltending this year than the Hurricanes are in other divisions. Uh, the Golden Knights lead the whole NHL with only 103 games. Uh, go, excuse me, goals against. So to me, we go back to you know with NCAA basketball, you have to have great point guards. In NHL, you need to have a hot goalie. You know, so the hot goalies have been for the Golden Knights. But can you think of another team that's got a hot goalie that could lead them to a championship? Uh, Avalanche. And I'm not sucking up to one of our uh, podcasts. I'm sucking up to Chris. Yeah, the Avalanche has two goaltenders that could start for any other team. And the Hurricanes' problem is we've got a rookie who's doing very, very well. But uh, the the other problem is traditionally the other guys are mediocre. I mean, they're just guys who journeymen for other team. 
and and the situation is uh, we may have a rookie of the year with uh, I mean, we've got Morazic who's been injured. Uh, the other, you know, and I have a hard time pronouncing this guy's name. He's actually he's actually from Ohio, but he has a Russian name. But our other goalie, um, which is Alex Nijukovic, is rookie of the year. James Reimer's filled in pretty good, but Reimer and Morazic are, are journeymen. Uh, Nijukovic has done a fairly decent job. But it's it's the great thing about Stanley Cup Finals is guys come out of the that you don't know. The, the goaltender for the Stars last year was a guy that had been bounced around and almost got them to the stand. He got them to the finals, almost got in the championship. The unique thing about this year is the the first two rounds are played within the division, and then it's reseeded on the amount of points in the regular season. And those not familiar with hockey is you get two points for a win, one point for a tie. And rather than wins and losses, and that determines your your positioning. Um, the unique thing is there's a reseeding, so you could have two teams of the West, two teams of the East playing the finals. Now, another issue which has come up is the quarantine because there's one division which is entirely Canadian teams, and the Canadian government came out today and said, "Well, there's still a 14 day quarantine." Mm. So the NHL is thinking about pulling the teams from Canada out prior to the Stanley Cup playoffs and letting them play in an American site, uh, which they could do at any time because we don't have a quarantine in our country. So they could start the playoffs or wait till the divisional finalist comes out, let them play in Buffalo or somewhere, somewhere that the team's not playing. And that way you're Stanley Cup finals because they're, you know, the traditionally they do the two to one-on-one-one uh, set up for seven-game series. Right. Um, I think that sounds like a good option. When I've been watching more hockey now, it's because you w- watch the intensity build and build. You can see the players getting ready for playoff hockey, which is so intense. The hits are harder. I was watching the Bruins play the Av- um, the um, Capitals, and, man, there was blood. There was hard hits. There were cheap hits. There was hitting the goalpost, um, there was quick line changes. It was playoff hockey before playoff hockey. Can you think of the what's the best rivalry right now in NHL? Oh, the best rivalry. Now, this year, yeah. it's Tampa Bay and Florida. Mm. And you know, here's the funny part. The best teams are those traditional hotbeds of hockey Las Vegas, Carolina, <laughs> Tampa Bay, and Florida, uh, and Toronto. Toronto's had a pretty good year, also. Well, Pittsburgh it's, Penguins are up there doing pretty good, and yeah, that's 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 a team on its last. And can we quit calling him Sid the Kid? He's thirty-four years old. Good gracious, he's not a kid anymore. But you know, that's a team that's really because of salary cap had to salt away a lot of pieces in that respect, and and. Uh, they're not the same. They're not the the they're not the Penguins of five, ten years ago that were the overwhelm favorites. Well, we're not the people we used to be ten years ago well, that's either. True. It's like you know the Blackhawks and the Penguins used to be the two best teams in the NHL, and and some great series between those two. But that just again those two teams that have aged, uh, Crosby, uh, Malkoff, and, and you know Kane and those guys have all gotten so much older. And they're almost in a quasi-rebuilding stage. It's here's a team to look out for, and, and it's a team that may not be able to play all their games 
But Vancouver may slip in and take that last playoff slot away from Montreal. Mm. And that might be a hot team. And again, you got to go back. It's been 1993 since the Canadian teams won the Stanley Cup. And, and every year, I know this is their national sport. It'd be a killer to the ratings. But let's be honest. Does NBC really worry about the ratings? Because they're <laughs> losing the package. Yeah, ESPN's and picking they're, it up. They're, they're close. And, and Turner. Turner Sports is taking over the package also. They're going to split it. And, you know, it, this is how much NBC's given up. They're closing down their network, <laughs> which has been centered around pretty much the NHL. And Dan Patrick, basically. And Dan Patrick and golf. Well, they moved golf over to Golf Channel because they own the Golf Channel. But it, it's kind of like they're just walking away from the package. And it, I'm, I, like, I like the idea of going to ESPN. I think a lot of us do. Because they'll do a 24-7, they'll promote sport. Like they do the NBA right now and the NFL. Right. You need that. All right. Well, we've talked about the two sports coming up to the playoffs, and it's going to be fun watching those. And um, baseball's been rolling along. And um, Baumgartner, I guess, didn't he throw seven innings, no inning, uh, no hitter? Does that count as no hitter in your book? Does not count, according to – and it's not Major League Baseball – it's the official uh, records keeper. Uh, keep, they say they made a ruling. Actually, it went back to Faye Vinson back in the 90s. Faye Vinson? Uh, yeah, he said that it had to be nine innings because it was a range shortened. I think some of the White Sox threw a range shortened no hitter. And Faye Vinson made the ruling that a no hitter had to be nine innings at least. Wow, I had heard that. it could be eight because if you're losing the game, I think and you're the if, home team. If they shorten the rule is they've shortened the game to seven, and you do seven, you should get no hitter. And that's something we talked about in the other podcast, Boys of Summer, which is a little plug here, shameless plug to listen every other week with Gene Gums and Eric Braun. But anyway, so talk about your Atlanta Braves for about three minutes, <laughs> and then we got to close up. No pitching, no hitting. That's pretty much it. Uh, this is a team that's really been hurt with the DH being taken away uh, because uh, uh, Nick Marcakis retired, who never was a star, but was just a solid 280 hitter and a, and a really good fielding right fielder. It was a gold lover. And they pretty much decided to sink their money in Marcel Ozuna. And Ozuna has holes in his swing. Again, he's a home run hitter. He's a big swinger. Without Marcakis, there's there's been a hole in the lineup. And without the DH, they're a team that just cannot generate runs. They let a few guys in the bullpen go, and they are like it's interesting that them and the Cubs and the Cardinals are leading the league in walks by the bullpen. And they're probably the three biggest disappointments. On the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, I was about to say, which team do you think is more likely to rally? The Braves or the Yankees? Well, now, if this was last year and it was 70 games, I'd be panicking. But it's 162 games. And so it, I, I think they'll both be all right. Yankees will be all right. The Braves will be all right. Uh, the Cubs might be all right. I think the Cardinals will be. I mean, it's just a long season. And, you know, like I said, you can't win a pennant in April. You can lose it I noticed you didn't say the Tigers are going to be all right there, Ernest. Thanks a lot. How about the well, Washington Tigers, Nationals? The Nationals are eight and eleven. They're in last place in their division. Everybody is nine and ten. If you look at the standings, <laughs> I know it's crazy. outside of the Dodgers, everybody is everybody is like 
He's got eight wins to about 11 wins. It's, yeah. like the, it's like what Pete Rozelle always wanted for the NFL, overall mediocrity. He called it equality, but it's mediocrity. Outside of the Dodgers, everybody is like floating around like that. Dodgers, the Dodgers and uh, the Giants are 15 and eight. Oh, Giants are doing great too. But you kind of wonder if that's smoke and mirrors in that respect. Again, it's early in the season. That's the 162 games you're going to find out it's going to trot up. I did enjoy the last two weeks the Padre Dodger series. Yes. Fernando Tatis Jr. is just a beast and, and i love how bauer he mimicked bauer after hitting two home runs <laughs> off of him and bauer said bauer, hey that's way he hey it gives as much as he gets i like that i like you know if, if you want to flip the bat and you want to use gun sights and use the gunslinger thing if you're going to give and take that's all right i'm okay with that i don't think the padres have the pitching to stick with the dodgers but uh, it, it's it's a great rivalry. I mean, yeah, it's, better it's, than the Yankees yeah, the, and the Mets right Red, now. Well, Yankees and Red Sox. I mean, Red Sox are a surprise. They're in first place. Yeah, fourteen and nine. And that's a team that last year was the dregs. And and you know, everybody in Boston that area keeps saying, "And why did we trade Mookie Betts? Why why <laughs> did we do that? Why? Right. I can't understand why we did that in that respect." But it's it's been fascinating in that respect. Yeah, and it's almost pool season for you. Yes. Got a pool in the front, pond for you in the front. Pool for <laughs> me in the back. Sorry, Caddyshack. Yep. It's Caddyshack reference, a movie from 35 years ago, if y'all didn't pick up that. <laughs> All right, Ernest, your last couple good minutes. Ah, can we talk movies? Yeah. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people were disappointed with the Best Actor Award for the Academy Awards. But, uh, and again... Um, I people don't salute Anthony Hopkins, who is now the oldest winner of the Best Picture at 83 years old. And a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, but two years ago, Anthony Hopkins was diagnosed uh, with a form of autism. So he is the first individual who is on the autism spectrum to win a, an Academy Award. And it's really unique. And again, you don't realize, I think uh, Silence of the Lamb was, was 85, 83 in that respect. And, and though some of us love the idea that he played Odin in the Thor movies and thought that was a high spectrum of his acting area, he has been just a solid. I remember the first movie I ever saw him in was a movie called Magic back in 1976, mm. where he had a possessed ventriloquist doll that would talk to him. It was a book by William Goldman. So I've seen him act for 50-some years, and I've always admired his work. Um, So did all uh, the Oscars get it right then? I saw so few of those movies. I mean, I would like to see Bozeman win the Best Actor. That would have been great. I mean, someone taken too soon. That would have been nice. But if it didn't go to him, Anthony Hopkins is, is a great choice. And I have not seen Father, but I understand it is a great performance in that respect. I only got to see two of the movies this year. Um, um, Judas and the Black Messiah and um, The Trial of the Chicago 7. And both were well done a little too long. But it's been just a strange year for movies. 
it really, I think it'll continue this year with so many of them streaming. Uh, I don't think we'll get back to the traditional movie going in a theater and watching them to next year. But, and again, I haven't seen the Francis Dorman movie, uh, Nomad Land, and I've not had a chance yet to see The Sound of Metal, which uh, Riz Abdi was the first Muslim to be nominated for the Academy Award. Uh, I will take a chance to see those types of movies. Uh, Sound of Metal is about a rock drummer, punk drummer, who loses his hearing. Yeah. And has to adapt his living. And, yeah, it doesn't Nomadland, sound like an upper, does it? No, no. In Nomadland, uh, Frances Dormand got the Best Actress Award. That is a film. She was the only professional actress in the movie. The movie is about the displaced people that uh, move around our country because of poverty and actually live out the back of their cars, having substandard pay jobs. And everyone in the movie... That's their real life, except for her. She was the only scripted role. Wow. And again, not exactly a happy time at the theater to see that either. Not an uplifting movie in that respect. Well, let me see. Here's your movies. You had those two. You had Father, which is Anthony Hopkins dying of Alzheimer's. Um, I think it just represented what 2020 was. Yeah. A depressing downing year. <laughs> well, let me... Take my last few minutes to have a very big up for me is over the last three years, my son, David, who's on this podcast and who actually did podcasts way before I did, uh, covering Wolverine sports for V Sporto, he finished grad, uh, grad school, at his law degree. And on May 15th, I want to see him walk across the uh, stage and, and make a fool of myself a little bit and yell and be proud of him and so, so proud that he's hung in there, even when he has three daughters under the age of eight, and working and making that all happen. So that's perseverance, and we're definitely going to celebrate. We're talking about a big cookout maybe this summer on his birthday that people can come and also celebrate his graduation. So super proud of his uh, persistence, and um, I don't know, that's just made me feel good all week, just getting ready, thinking about this graduation and it's one of the best times as a father's life is see your kids graduate and you know just be recognized for all their hard work so i'm gonna I'm pull some strings and see if i can get aaron Rodgers to give him a congratulatory phone call <laughs> i know he would look forward to that so much <laughs> yeah yeah that's would be a good question for another podcast well, who would you want the most to give you a uh, congratulatory phone call and who would you want the least but that's for another podcast all right ernest watts has been um, the co-host today i'm paul arnold if you want to get in contact with us and hear more about pardon the confusion and other podcasts email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com and we're listened to on sportscountry.net a lot of great sports there as well gene gums does a great job with that sports and he has a daily show in the morning so those are my plugs for today shameless plugs hope that you get outside enjoy the weather enjoy some great sports and have a good night I'm Ron Burgundy. 